Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show. Ten years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedendorski. I got more email. What did you say that guy's name was? I don't know. I, I think you're mispronouncing God. <laughs> Yowzers. Yowzers. Listen, guys, I, I got to interrupt my own show notes because um, this wasn't on it and it should have been. I need everybody's help. Jared, I'm even thinking that you might help me understand this. For me, this riddle started out with Daniel Penny in New York surrendering under the outrageous charges that them numbskulls in New York have brought. And that sent me down the rabbit hole because I'm looking at the divisions between left and right thinking. And I'm and by the way, we can start the list with what the purpose of criminal justice as a department is, as a branch of government. And I mean that earnestly. Um, when I look at what, the, what this guy did, first off, I don't believe his intent was to kill a person. So separate that. When I, when I look at it in total, the guy ought to be given the keys to the city because he saved people. This person that died, and I don't want him to die, by the way, so don't misunderstand me, folks, but the guy had 44 arrests for this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. His last act before this was to smash in some elderly lady's face, her eye socket and her nose. This person... I'm not saying he deserves to die. Please don't misunderstand me. But when you get up in people's face and you threaten them, that's not always the wisest thing to do. And the guy's got a history of hurting, not just the threats, physically hurting people. So, Miles, you're the big city guy in the family. Help me out here. And I'm not bashing on you. Please don't misunderstand that that approach. But I don't understand big city folks. I know I touch on this too often, but I've often opined that if my daughters and I were living in South America, I would get to the United States. I don't care about your laws and I don't care how tall the wall is. I would get my daughters here. But I got to tell you something, Miles, Lud, everybody, if I were living in New York City with my daughters, I'd get them out of there no matter what the cost was. Miles, help me. Does this stuff make sense that that judicial department over there thinks that this, you know, the guy said to do an investigation, we have to have charges. No, you don't. Who thinks that way? Miles, reel me in because this has got me wound up today. Yeah, I I, I was going to say I, w- I was sad to see you add this. Um, I would caution everyone. I think we need to pump the brakes here a little bit until the facts come out what was in the bloodstream of the guy uh what are some of the other things that they viewed from all of the phones that was taping it i feel very manipulated by the press and i feel very manipulated by the mob that that uh showed up that i'm supposed to think a uh, certain way i would rather pump the brakes Let's wait for the facts to come out and not be so summer of 2020 and burn the house down. Um, I also don't understand 
Why did the DA not send this to the grand jury? If the DA was worried that the mob was going to burn New York down, why didn't he send it to the grand jury so that there was more than one opinion weighing in on this? This seems very, very, for me, and maybe I'm, I'm alone, in which case I'll put my tinfoil hat on. But to me, it, it feels very manipulated. It, it is. But, I, but I, you got to help me wander my way through the things that you said. First off, I entirely agree with you. Neither side of the divide, including me, should be trying to pass judgment on this circumstance. Yes. And, and if an investigation needs to take place... And by the way, folks, I believe it does. But that should not come with charges. And the reason it did had everything to do, in my opinion, had everything to do with the caution you're throwing. Because the moment somebody is charged, uh, the media will treat that person as guilty. And so the media is allowing itself to be manipulated. And the district attorney, to your point, this is all politics. And when I look at my list that I started off with, so I ask things, things the left are, uh, the things that the left think the right are in an extreme position on, of course, criminal justice, because I, I, you and I actually entirely agree on this topic. Yes, investigate. Yes, put the facts out. And I wouldn't have even been opposed to a grand jury. But charges are political. Before That's we, what they're doing. Yeah, Go, before we get too far away from this subject, because this isn't even, I think, political thinking. In my opinion, I'm not thinking politically of this. You aren't. They are. They are. Because when I see a quote right here from the mayor, Jordan Neely did not deserve to die. That's, that's a quote from him. I don't think there's anybody in the situation that agrees that man deserved to die. Agreed. I but think he, that's 100% fact across the board. All of us would say he didn't deserve to die. Right. Including Daniel Penny. P- P- who's you think now this guy has to now live with that. He's in custody. Yes. That he had to live with that. Now, he wasn't dead when they removed him from the subway. Right. So, I think that's a fact. But that's the heart feelings. What I my problem with this is what happened to the Good Samaritan thing? This guy's threatening people, yelling, "I'm willing to go to jail." From eyewitnesses, not a news source or somebody familiar with somebody's thinking. I'm eyewitnesses. Going, I'm going to kill you, and I'm willing to go to jail or take a bullet. I'm willing to go to jail it. or take a bullet for it. Right. This veteran who we've trained to protect us. Protected us. Stepped, it, stepped in at that moment. Right. And said, okay, I'm going to fulfill my duty I've been trained to do. Use the maneuver he was trained to use. An unfortunate consequence is nearly passed away. But to Miles's point, tell me where I'm wrong with this, Miles. We really don't know either side of this. Right. We really don't know for a fact that what you just said is true. If there were other circumstances, if there were other, de- we really don't know. Well, we weren't there. We but weren't, we but that's know. but that's the point of an investigation. But that doesn't include a a court case. A court case is not an investigation. I agree with that part. That's where. Yep. Where did the investigation take place at the moment they they did? I'm going to use this word: an insurrection on New York City. Because uh, that that's just what they did. They went down and said, "We're going to burn this down, storm the city if you don't press charges against him." But it was political. And so when I look back, then I got to use Biden as my stir stick in this. Um, and, and I don't mean that I'm not trying to be funny. Ten years ago, Senator Biden, I'd have to go back a couple years before that, when he was a senator, he voted against everything that the left stands for, including how the, how the, 
the law of the justice system would be used in this circumstance. He voted opposite of that. He voted with how I'm guessing the three of us would have viewed this. So I stand back and I'm looking at it going, okay, they don't see they left and right. They don't, we as a group, two groups, don't recognize the purpose and value of the U.S. Constitution. I mean, I, I Googled that the other day in preparation for this show in completely different mindset, not thinking about Daniel Penny. And what I found when I started Googling about constitutionality is that there's nothing in the Constitution that's guaranteed. So wake up and get used to it. It was everywhere on Google. The constitutional is not a guarantee of anything that the Constitution says. That's what the left believes. The right believes the opposite, that are, they are inalienable rights from God, not from you, and they are not up for debate. Yes, they provide an opportunity for amendment, but you're not going to ignore them, legislate them away, or executive order them away. But when did we become a system of guilty by peers without a trial or investigation and mob rule. When did we ever think we'd reach a point where as a parent, you've got a daughter, mm -hmm. I've got daughters, Miles, you've got a son, but we're all three parents. When did we reach a point that we could have, our minor children could have transgendered surgery without notification of us? Our, our daughters could have an abortion without notification of us. Well, at 12 years old, they can do folks, medicine without Folks, we've all. got a lot on the plate, but we've got to go to a break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Truism number 71 with Mike Hewitt. The debate between China and our government isn't about sovereignty or keeping the citizens of either country safe. It isn't about economic competition or even what system is best. Ask yourself what a global government might look like. Would it be like ours or more like communist China? Make no mistake, we are on the path to global governance. That's undeniable, but who gets to lead it, China or America? China is feeding, training, and arming poor countries around the world, teaching them how to develop and how to defend themselves. America's supporters tied to far-left woke policies. Guess which one of those two developing countries prefer? It's a truism to say global governance is very likely, but it doesn't have to be. Our government isn't the answer. We are. This is about our strength, our value. We used to be anchored in faith, family, education, strong work ethic, and respect. We can be again, and that's what's needed. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You'll like it. Listen, guys, I, I, I got to take us in a different direction for just a few minutes, but I want to get back to where we were before the break in a little bit. So about globalization, Miles, I got to go to you first because you're older and wiser than Ludwig. <laughs> Definitely older. <laughs> All right. Has globalization taken over? Uh, the, the IMF warns of tougher 2023. And then they write, a pandemic forced an unprecedented global lockdown. Miles, right out of the gate on their opening sentence, I disagreed with them. Not a little bit. I disagreed with them passionately. COVID did not cause a lockdown. Governments did. And by the way, if you start Googling or DuckDuckGoing or whatever your search engine is and look at global topics now, they are everywhere. It is more rampant now by far than it was when I wrote that book 12 years ago. 
it's 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 alarming to even people like me that I stay fairly focused on it as I pin a sequel in slow motion. Um, Miles, do you think the COVID drama globally, I guess we've got to put our conspiracy tinfoil hats on, so I apologize in advance, but do you think COVID was used to advance globalization, Miles Bauer? Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, think uh, there were there were countries in Europe that didn't even lock down. There were states here in the U.S., like South Dakota, that never locked down. Um, yet, because you and I lived in a blue governor state, of course, you know, you couldn't plant garden seeds or paint your house. I couldn't. I couldn't buy a U.S. flag because it was non-essential. Think about that for a minute. Steve, I, I do think we gotta be careful with the word never because the states did. The first two weeks, they did. Because- I, and to, this varying, is, to varying degrees. To, to varying degrees. And, and I think that that was where we do gotta be careful with this situation because I think in the very, very beginning, and I remember a press conference specifically, we've talked about where Trump come out and he looked disheveled, worried, sounded scared, shattered oh, voice. I remember that. I remember that episode. Yeah. And it was like, okay. And even me, I'm like, oh, if Trump's fearful, he shared something we we're, we don't know. Yeah. And that was right at the point of the two-week lockdown. Right. Now, I believe at that moment, everything else we're saying took hold. Two weeks after that. Two weeks after that is when it took hold that the states like ours it, went, oh my God, they did it. It, it did. Let's take advantage. But hang on. That's not where I'm going. You, Miles, you're the Trump publican. Help me get my head around this, because Lud is correct. We talked about it on this show with he had a fearful, an ashen gray look. He looked he looked physically distraught over whatever he'd been heard. It was either two or three weeks later, I want to say two weeks, on a different episode on this show, we talked about Donald Trump, President Trump, standing off to the right of, of uh, Dr. Fauci, and you could see the look on Trump's face was rage. It was like somebody pulled the curtain back and he saw he'd been dipped in the dirt. Mm -hmm. is, that a, is that a fair assessment, Miles? Yeah, because, I mean, it, it was, it, it became somewhat suspicious when everybody in the U.S. was not dead within two weeks. And so, you know, I mean, th this is when we saw Florida start to open. Again, South, South Dakota never closed, but, and it, and, it, and it really began to, and it was especially evident, I think, up there in the Whitmer Correctional Facility when she invokes a World War II law. So all the folks, all of the folks that are not in Michigan that were blessed with having you hear us, uh, Whitmer Correctional Facility is the great state of of uh, Michigan under the uh, leadership of Comrade Whitmer. Yeah, and see, and that's where I just want to, I guess, make that baseline because we like to be more whenever, factual with things. Whenever that... I say Comrade Whitmer, my mind flashes to Colonel Clink <laughs> off the Hogan's Heroes episodes. Movies. Oh, I've seen that show. That's what that's. I'm telling you, I I equate her with Colonel Clink. I'm sorry, I just do. But I definitely agree. This was a power grab. And you remember, Mike, I used to ask you, how did 
there's two points in history where I didn't understand how that was even possible. And one was brothers standing on one line and against another brother and shooting their weapon against each other in a civil war. Yep. And the other one was six million people getting on a boxcar. Like, how did that ever mentally happen, take place? And I remember asking you that pre-COVID for years. Like, yep. I, don't, I don't get this. How did these two things happen? And what COVID did was answer those two questions. It did. And that was what I think became so fearsome to me as an American was, oh, my God, it's possible. Right. And it's not even just possible. It's probable because it happened. Listen, what, what, really, what really turned me, my head, what caused me serious pause was not just the division that it brought to families. We had, in fact, we had almost an entire episode when we talked about there's, there's really no battle line. You can't say north and south because it runs through families. We were, at the time in that episode, approaching a holiday, talking about the holiday feuds that were coming. Mm-hmm. And, and I, listen, when, when I look at it now, though, um, I, I think that that was part of the recipe was to bring that level of division mm-hmm. because it's not a functional division. Both parties, I've talked about this probably too much, but both political parties are so fractured and tribalized that they're, in my appraisal as a longtime party activist, neither party right now is functionally viable. Neither the Democrat Party nor the Republican Party, and both left and right, are being led by a bunch of 5043Cs, uh, etc. All of that I just try to wrap into one. A bunch of PAC organizations, both federal and state, and all the states hearing our voice. The parties themselves, they're lost in the woods, and it was all part of what we're talking about. So could you actually argue that we have a multi-party system right now that, in the end, only two actually get put on the ballot? I, I, would, under those I will tell you, in my opinion, Miles, correct me, but in, in my opinion... Uh, the parties are on social media. So you're an R and I'm a D and we can't speak to each other. We got to hate each other. I'd, by the way, I'm not a D. But the, the point is, is that we're, we're divided with, just like in Michigan where you got two, two university football teams and so you're either one or the other, period. Not a lot of thought beyond that. There, there really isn't. Like a Ford would drive by a Chevy that's in the ditch. Yeah, but I just don't see either party as functional. Miles, what say you before we got to go to a break in a moment? Yeah, I was going to say, too, uh, Lud's point, I would say that the R's have always been multi-factions, and the D's have always been multi-factions. So this isn't new. But right. I, and I got to tell you, after the next break, I want to get back to the list we started the show with. And the reason I do is because everything on the list are things that Democrats and Republicans actually used to agree on. Well, and now they're founding divisionary words. And, and I agree with what Miles is saying. But the difference is that if your faction didn't win the nomination, you didn't go off the deep end and try to destroy your fat, the other faction. You jumped on board and said, okay, we agree on 80%. Right. I think that's where I'm talking about there's now, if you're not in that faction, I can't support anything. But to Miles's point, then we've got to go to a break, though. And I think I, I remember Ronald Reagan talking about, you know, the reason there was an 11th commandment, the reason he had to identify the three legs of the chair. That was exactly what your point was, Miles Bauer. Listen, folks, we've got to go to a break, but there is so much more. Please stay with us. We will be right back. 
Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski, and we are broadcasting from our flag station, beautiful Holland, Michigan, right on the shores of Lake Michigan. That's WHTC Holland, 1450 AM, 99.7 FM. We are blessed and very proud to be heard in a whole bunch of states and across the podcast world, starting with Spotify and Apple Podcast. Guys, listen, I want to jump back to where we were at the beginning of the show just for a brief minute, and then, Lud, I'm going to call on you to talk about a personal story. But first, when I look at the list, I've got to go back to the list because I think I took us in different directions. Talking, though, about, um, and I don't want to get into one of the, any of these issues, but I can't get my head around it. So if you talked to Joe Biden when he was a senator, Senator Joe Biden, should a 13, 14, 15-year-old boy or girl be able to have a transgendered surgery or drug uh, intervention with, without parental consent? He'd have flipped out 15 years ago. He would have sounded like he belonged in whatever the current version of the Tea Party is. He would not have been impressed. If you look at his voting record, it can be substantiated that I'm not guessing. So I looked down the list, not next on this list, book banning. So everywhere I look on the internet when I'm trying to understand the division over pornography in elementary and middle school, I think that's profoundly amazing to me that a political party or elected officials within a political party umbrella would advocate for pornography in elementary and middle school and try to make you a Nazi by calling you a book banner, a book burner, if you say, no, my sons and daughters don't need to be looking at pornography. Mm -hmm. I, I, Biden would have never supported that as a senator. Never, ever, ever would he have supported that. This guy being arrested, that got me sent down a different path, that surrendered himself. Biden would have never supported this action. Probably would be with Miles and I calling for an investigation. Miles, as the other old guy in the room, what say you on this topic of really fundamental difference that didn't used to be? What are we witnessing? Well, so we're certainly seeing that uh, Joe Biden is squishy, kind of like Ludd. He's squishy. <laughs> oh yeah. You think you think well, do you think Joe Biden had a little buddy doll? Probably. That still does. That's probably we call him Ludwig now. I'm <laughs> sorry, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, the, the, this is what in our slippery slope towards Marxism or statism, and I hate to be shrill, so I'll put my tinfoil hat back on. But they really do need to tear down the um, institutions that constituted what the USA was when you and I were kids. All of them. And I think you're right on that. But even things like election integrity, and I'll reflect back to something you said, Miles, back in following right around the time of Joe Biden's uh, inauguration, when we were, everybody was still talking about the election and whether it was fraudulent or how, let me say differently, how deep the fraud was, because there was no question there was fraud. How deep it was, was at least in my view, the, the debate at the time. But where I'm going with this part are 
exactly when you talked about turning tearing down our institutions that make us what we were um, you said back then during that era if folks don't believe in the election process then we're not a republic anymore yeah, yeah right? hold on hold on you guys are talking about your age okay chucky schumer's older than you pelosi's older than you guys i know it's hard to believe but so so is president biden so no we never talk like that towards you <laughs> so <laughs> if, if they're older than you this can't have to do with age they, they listen to the same history you guys did. They got the same education you did. This is not about ageism or anything like that. What changed? Like you said, it's, Biden, it's a, a revolution. done this 20 years. Listen, ago. it's a revolution. You Why know, did these older generations, though, get sucked into that? Is it the power? Is it the money? What part? I think it's part of a, rev- a revolution. I honestly do. you think did. that's what they originally wanted? Miles, am I being shrill and all of that tinfoil haddish? No, I, I think I, I think we, we talked about this on the show. Remember when. Um, we were talking about an article Victor Davis Hanson wrote about that we're in the middle of a revolution. Yeah, I believe that's true. Yeah, but then what you're saying is, at least is how I'm going to take it. So maybe you want to clarify because the listeners might take it this way too. Is that Chucky e. Schumer, Pelosi, Feinstein, all those people that are older than you guys. They're a full generation older. Well, they're all us. boomers. They're boomers. Uh, they're a, they're a, 25 years defines a generation. They are all a full generation older. But they're boomers. Uh, okay. You guys, your generation always wants to look for labels. I don't. But so, anyways, well, they're, <laughs> it's they, they're making years them eighty-eight years old. Uh, they're pushing it. Yeah, but they're not. So they're your generation. Dion Feinstein's already beyond that. <laughs> but my point is, they, so yours. What I get out of this is, you're saying they've always been revolutionaries. Knew it wasn't possible. They've just been waiting for this moment of AOCs and those kind of people to go forward. I don't. I truly don't know because they didn't think this way until really probably the last 16, 20 years. So what are you trying uh, to say? What changed? I, I, I think uh, Schemer's been Schemer from the word go. Yeah, he's always been slippery. I agree with that. There's never been a time when I went, wow, there's a nice guy. I just disagree with him. I've never said that about him. No, but I think there's even speeches he's been I've on the said floor. that about a lot of Democrats. He's not on that list. But there's been speeches <laughs> they've shown of him on the floor, and you're like, oh, oh of, that's of, not what you say now. Of Chucky Schemer? Yeah. Oh, no, no. No, no. I, I could go back to the early in this show a decade ago and he was still chucky schemer he's always been a raging liar i've not agreed like uh, tip o'neill it's a great example so we'll go back to that era i didn't agree with him on a lot of things but i thought he was a good american he believed in the constitution he believed in what parental rights meant he believed that the children were of the of the parents, not of the state. But so did Biden at this time. He did. Biden also, to your point just now, believed that that was not the proper role of government. That was the proper role of parents. And I, I got to tell you, I think it's all pulling the underpinnings of our culture out. And to your point, Miles, it's all about destroying the institutions to rebuild whatever their new vision is. But before we run out of time... Lud, will you tell that story? We've got a couple minutes. I want you to tell the story about your wife. So we went to Vegas. We flew American Airlines. I want to make that very clear. American Airlines. Uh, she has a feeding tube, and it, the formula and the water and the pump have to go in up. This back. is the wife. Yep. This is the result of a physical condition yep. that she has. Yep. And it's it, a and lifetime, as I understand. Yes. And this okay. bag cannot lay horizontal. It's got to be left vertical. So on the way out, she put it between on the floor, behind and between her legs so that it would stay up during landing and takeoff. This is on the airplane. On the airplane. On the way back, we upgraded to first class. We're not rich, but we found a great deal, so we did. And she had the bag there, and it ensued into where we almost got removed from the plane. 
Okay. Because they wanted her on hook and to disconnect the feeding process while we were on during landing and takeoff. And we explained to them that we've talked to the gate agent, we talked to the office, we, we flew out here already, this is not an issue. If you know me personally, you know I'm kind of loud and, and just loud. I mean, it's not, I'm yelling, it's just loud. And he has a big mouth. <laughs> the, the, the flight attendant actually told me to stop yelling at her. So I instantly looked at Marie and went, okay, am I out of hand? No, nope. okay. And I explained to her, I'm just loud. And she said, you need to quiet down. And then she turned on and walked away, said, I'm done with this, and went to the captain. Thought, we're getting kicked off this plane. Yep. Here comes another guy from the airport on telling us, no, FFA regulations doesn't allow this, and we don't know why we've been doing this, and disregarded my wife who's crying, saying it's embarrassing, and then I'm explaining why it's embarrassing. She goes, I don't care. It's between us, but if you want to make it between the whole plane, we will. So finally, I just said, listen, disconnect. We're getting home. It's midnight. Let's just get home. We'll take care of it from there. And um, the one flight attendant who was nice hung it up in the closet for, for landing and takeoff. But we were mistreated. She, she, I mean, what so is all, an oxygen tank? All, all, all of the people around you are watching this. Yes. Nobody was switching seats with us. Yeah. And I, I felt they didn't switch seats with us because they were on our side. Right. Not because they didn't want to switch seats, but they were not going to let them push us around. So, you know, I, some of this is counterintuitive, and we're down to seconds before break, but I would have thought the opposite of them. If they thought that that could be an explosive or something, it seems like her feeding it into her body would have provided more comfort than it hanging in a closet. Well, you should have seen the TSA we had to go through I, to get this thing on the plane. Yeah, we won the war on terror, though, Mike. I, it, no, we really didn't. Now, we're going to pick up on exactly that point when we come back. Folks, we will be right back. All right, Miles Bauer, I got to call on you because you and I used to fly a lot in our lives. Uh, do, do you think we won the war on terrorism, Miles Bauer? No, it was, um, you know, when when you uh, think about what changed coming out of COVID, yep. think about what changed coming out of 9-11. Right. It's, and it's, it's very, very similar. It's true. You're exactly right. But to me, it's like they turned turned the pipe wrench several more turns. First with first with the Patriot Act coming out of 9-11, to your point, and then with COVID. But I, I, I got to tell you, part of the defense for the airlines, I'm not defending them, but what defends them is the nature of the Patriot Act and what people have come to expect. So expectations have really controlled people's view. I was on an airplane once, had a brand new telephone, first time I'd ever had it, trying to turn it off. Stewardess says, you've got to turn the phone off. I said, I'm really trying to. Give me a moment. She slapped my hand with the phone in it. Slapped my hand. I said, you do not want to do that again. Well, when the flight was over with, I got chased down the aisle way by the pilot who left, followed me, chasing after me to let me know I may never fly again with that kind of attitude. She slapped my hand. But listen, where I'm going with this part of it, and then we've got to shuffle along, but I think the Patriot Act has really governmentalized the the flight industry. So we used to, Miles, you and I, when we were young, when we were Jared's age, we used to expect service. I really would. I'd get excited if we were going to fly somewhere. I'd, Miles, I'd come to your house or I'd go on business somewhere or go on vacation with my family. I enjoyed it. I really did. I hate it. I hate it now. Forget the fact that I'm old and bigger. 
I don't fit in the spaces that they've reduced it to. I don't need to get felt up to get on an airplane. Folks, if you think that we won the war on terror, you are flaming lying to yourself because we lost. We didn't surrender. It wasn't a truce. Those folks that did that, assuming it was them, had no no dreams that it could have impacted our culture as bad as it's impacted it. They could have never fathomed how our government would turn on, turn on us with their deed. And I, I passionately believe that. But not only the government turning on us, that we would comply with it. Comply. Forget the government. We comply with it. Listen, thank you, because that's one of the things. In fact, I started on that word earlier. I drew a blank talking about COVID effect. The thing that really shocked me the most, and it goes to Miles's point with 9-11 and your point with COVID, what, what folks were willing to comply with is mind-boggling to me. Miles, if you and I were in our 20s, sitting somewhere having a cocktail and somebody slid up a chair to explain to us what was going to be, would you have believed what's come to pass, not with the governments, but with the reaction of the American people? Would you have believed that, Miles Bauer? No, absolutely not. And I think that we we mentioned it on the uh, show. You know, at, at first I didn't mind complying because we really didn't know what COVID was about. But after a while, it kind of got to the point of, ridiculous and then and then you encountered family members that were hyper one way and then family members that were hyper the other way yeah i I got we got to change gears before we run out of time just because i'm usually the guy that's ranting and and miles you're the one that wants to support the guy that throws bowling balls and yet you sound so articulate so level-headed i'm going this is really frustrating Dude, you you guys are both cruisers. Okay, just 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 give in. Okay, I had so much fun with that. But all right, I did not watch it, but you watched President Trump on CNN early this week. I now when I Google it or Duck Duck Go it because I want truth. Um, I the 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 crazy left are going absolutely crazier than normal. Uh, what did he do that was so outrageously bad that upset them so much, Miles Bauer? You know, what what they demonstrate is they learned nothing from 2016. So CNN basically went in and did exactly what they did back in 2016. And they, in effect, gave him airtime free of charge. And Trump was just Trump the same way he was in in 2016. And it's like it's like. The left never learns their uh, lesson. They walk right back into it. Now, I, I think you're right about the left. I think that they got some really tight blinders on. But, but let me say from CNN's point of view, their ratings have been in free fall for, since 2016. And yeah. so can you see the pointy heads sitting around in the conference room going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I yeah, get Trump. Bring in Trump. You know, there's not much I learned from my, my younger siblings, but there's one thing I remember my younger brother's a year younger than me. I learned from him. He beat the crap out of this kid. He's the guy you try to blame the little buddy. It's his on. little buddy. See, that's uh-huh. the problem. He had one of these. That's wow. the problem. Beat the crap out of this you kid. You blame your little brother. Yeah. Week later, he's at a party. Kid wants to fight him again. He fights. He loses. And I learned from that is when you win, you don't go back for the same fight. 
You don't go back for the same fight. So with what they did on CNN and Miles's point, don't go back for the same fight. Quit assuming because you beat Trump the first time, you want him a second time. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think the money people behind CNN cared. I think they desperately wanted to bring some ratings. Cooper kind of surprised me with his quip after, you know, if you don't if you don't watch us anymore, I I understand or don't blame you or whatever his rhetoric was. All two of them. Yeah, exactly right. But listen, from CNN's point of view, as a corporate, and I get the ideology, but inevitably they need cash flow. But I do think that these all these all these channels, Fox, MSNBC, CNN, and everyone under the sun, should have both views on there, because you are tuned into one specifically. So if you don't, and I remember. Fair and balanced used to be Fox's tagline, and I loved that. They got, I got of one it. and one, and I got to hear both, and I can make my own decision. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't want entertainment news. No, I. But by the way, on Facebook or social media in general, whenever I go down this path, I get pounded on from every direction. I don't want entertainment news. Shows like Crossfire used to be pretty popular. I, I, but on the other hand, Miles will correct me, but back then there wasn't any choice. So you can right. be popular if you're the only guy on the street. All right, right. so I'm going to read from my own Facebook, speaking of social media. I've made a personal, Miles is going to bust out laughing at me. <laughs> I've made a personal decision about this next election cycle. I will only support candidates who skip the gotcha, snarky, negative attack nonsense. I want realistic solutions, period. And I, And by the way, I got some really snarky, comments including from state representatives here in michigan and it has everybody immediately thought i was talking about trump i wasn't thinking about him at all i was looking at our ballot because it's gotten to the point where we can't disagree without a flurry of Mm f-bombs and we're not in 10th grade we've got serious issues we've got a southern border that flatly doesn't exist and we've still got a voting system whether it's on the verge of becoming globalized and all those other threats, I don't know. But right now it's in place. So, Lud, it would be like if Miles and I, every time you were wrong and we were right, we don't just beat up on you. We don't call your names and make fun of you. I'd be unscathed. We'd... <laughs> <laughs> Even Jared agrees. We have an intellectual conversation, but that's completely absent. In every cycle, it feels like a lot of, not all, but a lot of the candidates think that they're going to win by inflaming the most enraged on social media. And I'm trying to tell them that's a disconnect. That's not who voters are. The average voter, Democrat or Republican, they're sitting at home raising their kids, paying their taxes. They don't want to hear a bunch of filthy words and people calling each other names. Calm down. Fly straight. And if we came forward with a slew of candidates on the ballot... I'm not even talking about the office of president that offered solutions for the problems that we've got. They'd win. I, I would I would put a good guess of 90% of the likely voter, the guy actually shows up to the polls, 90% scroll right past those comments and go right to the next family's pictures. They don't even read that, those snarky comments you're talking about. No, that's the echo chamber. Yeah. But all the folks within the echo chamber, love, 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 love yep. it. And I'm thinking, I call for problem solutions, and I got called a bunch of filthy names for a call just to call for problems. Because do most people really want solutions, or do they want to live in a perpetual uh, that's an interesting evolution of, of drama? Miles, we're down, we're down to 30 seconds, 10 seconds. Are, do we people want solutions or no? 
Yeah, I mean, I I ninety percent agree with your statement. Although, me being the bowling ball fan, <laughs> I do sometimes enjoy Trump throwing a couple bowling balls around. I, the I get it. Listen, folks, we've got to go. Please be safe, but follow us at Spotify and Apple Podcast and here at WHTC on their podcasts. Thanks. Be safe. We'll see you next week.